There are moments that come up in our culture locally, nationally, around the world where we feel so lost in the madness and tragedy of it all that all we can do is pray. So what we're going to do is we're going to create a bit of margin tonight in our gathering intentionally for this purpose, to respond the way we need to respond this week, to make space for something that we don't normally do, uh, that is not normally a part of our gatherings, that honestly should be, um, but sometimes it takes these big moments in culture to jolt us into that practice. And that practice or that discipline is lament. I don't know if you guys have heard that word before, uh, and it seems like maybe a strange way to respond today, but we can't not consider this kind of response after a week like we've had. One of the dangerous symptoms of a lack of margin in our life is numbness. Numbness to others' needs, numbness to the the brokenness around us, numbness to our families, to tragedies that happened to us and near us. And we as a church don't want to respond to the world around us with numbness. We want to respond with care, love, solidarity, a compassion that only comes from God. And so this is kind of two different teachings tonight. I get that. So strap in. You guys didn't know that at the beginning of the night. But it kind of is because I think it's really important for us to understand and walk in this practice of lament together. I think it's something we don't quite understand. We don't rally around frequently. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to talk to you just for a couple of minutes about a theology of lament. And this ancient practice that is kind of absent from the modern day church. And we're going to do that together. Our response time is going to be a lament together. Okay, so this, this past week, as many of you guys were leaving our gathering last week, getting dinner, heading out for a drink, going home to bed, you guys know one man in Las Vegas opened fire on a crowded festival, killed 59 people, and injured 527, making this the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history. And as of October 2nd, there have been 273 mass shootings this year. Meaning of the 279 days so far in our calendar year, there have been mass shootings on 273 of them. And granted, not all of them make the news or cause us to perk up our awareness, but tragic nonetheless. So no matter your politics or your social view or your position on whatever of the range of things that come up, that's not really our jam here at Anthem, but we are going to engage in this well And so like most tragedies, we have to simultaneously process these things and display Christ in them. And that's a that's a hard tight walk, tightrope walk to uh, journey down. And I think one of the great holes in the fabric of the American church is the ability and willingness to lament. You guys know most of the Psalms in the Bible are lament. 60 out of 150 are lament. That's 40 percent of them. Now consider that the contrast, uh, consider the contrast of the Psalms of praise, which only make up about 41 of them. There are more laments than praise in the book of Psalms. So our church gatherings have to make room for lament from time to time because this is really something that can heal our sadness and help us bring the heart of God to these moments of tragedy. And the biblical psalms feature several expressions of lament. And and in these laments, the worshiping community expresses grief and frustration at the brokenness of the world. Even in situations where the community is not directly culpable or, or blameworthy, right? You and I didn't do something wrong, but we are aligning ourselves to those who have been hurt. Biblical laments are a witness to God's desire for honesty in worship. We are not a church where you put on a smile every week, even if your life is crumbling. 
That's not what happens. And sometimes that makes for some real awkward response times here, but God wants honesty in worship. No experience in life is too difficult to be brought before God. A lament is an implicit act of faith in which the community of faith turns to God as its only source of hope and comfort. So we can start with the sadness in our own lives as we think about a lament, relational ruin, personal trauma, individual sin. We can enter into solidarity with the suffering of this world as well, with things like victims of natural disasters, systematic oppression, and terrible evil of mass shootings. And throughout the Bible, there's a bit of a pattern to lament. It's not formulaic, but there's some commonalities there that I think is helpful. Uh, It's not just whining and complaining. That's not what it is. It's not just feeling sad for yourself. That's not what it is. It's deeper than that. And so very, very, very briefly, I want to give you kind of the the pattern of lament in the Bible because what I want for you guys is, honestly, if you need to write this down, we'll make this available on our website if you want. I want this to be like your go-to when you need to lament, okay? So each kind of lament in the Bible has roughly four different categories. Uh, And the first is that it's addressed to God. That's really important for us uh, as we consider how to lament well. We have to recognize that he is in control, even if that truth is a hard one in the wake of a terrible tragedy like Las Vegas or Irma or the other hurricanes that are coming through. There's a recognition that there are spiritual forces at work in the world. God is the one overall. We have a tendency to justify and naturalize everything, and we need to remember that it's just as much as the natural tragedy is a spiritual one as well. Second, I'm going to move a little bit faster, Tyler. Second is uh, it involves an affliction or complaint, right? God, this happens. I'm brokenhearted for these people. I'm affected in this way. When we lament, it's because something has gone wrong. In our life, in our culture, community, something has disrupted our sense of justice or rightness or comfort. And it contains a request, right? It's not just stating things are terrible. It's also asking God to come through, asking God to do something about it. Maybe we've hit rock bottom and we need him to lift us out. Maybe we, we know that whatever happened, it's totally overwhelming and it feels out of control. And so we have to call on God. And fourth, they usually end with confidence and praise. If you want a bit of a template for a lament, look at Psalm 42. Uh, But I would love for you guys to come back to this pattern when the need arises for you to lament, either together as a church or individually. But we address God with our complaints, our afflictions, our requests, and we're confident that he's in control. We praise him for his watchful care, even if we don't feel like it. This is a discipline for our soul. And that last one is is really the key. I call it in my head as I think of it, that's the turn. We have to turn and see our lives in this world broken and fallen as it is in the context of a loving Father God. And this is a soul discipline because it's not always going to feel that way to us. For example, look at Psalm 44. You can put that one up, Tyler. 44 verses 15 through 18. All day long, my disgrace is before me, and my shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and the reviler. At the sight of the enemy and the avenger, all this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back. 
nor have our steps departed from your way. Do you guys see what happened right in the middle of that there? The turn happened. All the day long, my disgrace is before me. And then suddenly, all this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you. We have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back. Often, what the psalmist gives us an example of how to preach to our own souls. Psalm 42 and 43, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God for your salvation. That doesn't mean we skip the sad part, but it means that's where we land. We have to go through the process of mourning, lamenting, grieving. Paul says weeping with those who weep. We have to do that. And we have to, for ourselves and for those around us, point towards our hope in God. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a prayer together. Something we don't do often, and it may be weird to you, that's okay. Uh, We're going to do something that's also going to be weird to you after we read this prayer. We're going to read a corporate prayer together. It's a call and response prayer. So I'm going to read a little bit, then you're going to read a little bit together. We're going to stand while we do it. You don't have to stand yet. Uh, But after that, we're going to break up into a couple of groups, and we're going to pray through a lament. So groups of, of three to four to five, it's okay. I'm not going to be legalistic about the group size, but small enough to where everyone who wants to can have an opportunity to pray and to honestly pray a bit through the structure. We address God. We cry out for the brokenness in our world around us and we force our hearts to hope in God. So go ahead and stand up and we're going to start here together. And uh, Zach and Matt, you guys can actually come up behind me if you want and get ready to, to lead us in some songs after this. Uh, but we're going to read this corporate prayer of lament. It's a really old one. It's from the Book of Common Prayer. Um, and uh, it's something that churches have been reading and praying together for a lot of years. I think is useful for us. And so I'm going to read the first bit. Uh, I'm putting the words up there, not so you can say it along with it, just so you can see what I'm saying. And then uh, the second a uh, little slide that's going to come up is going to say the church, and we're going to read that together, and we'll figure out how to do it without all sounding like total gibberish out here. Uh, but the first bit of this is, Why, Lord, must evil seem to get its way? We confess that our sin is deeply shameful, but the wicked are openly scornful. They mock your name and laugh at, your, at our dismay. Read this together. We know your provincial love holds true. Nothing can curse us endlessly with sorrow. Transform, dear Lord, this damage into good. Show us your glory hidden by this evil. Why, Lord, must any child of yours be hurt? Do all our pain and sorrow somehow please you? You are a God so jealous for our praises. Hear this lament as prayer that fills the earth. Repair the brokenness we share. Chastise no more, lest it destroy your creatures. Hear this lament as intercessory prayer and speak your powerful word to make us hopeful. Amen. Okay, go ahead and break up into small groups. Um, And honestly, I'm not going to give you a ton of structure, but we have to lament for the brokenness in this world. We have to do it together, and we have to hope in Christ together. So break up into groups of three, four, five right around you. Spend time praying for the brokenness in this world and the hope we have in Christ. And in a few moments, Zach's going to lead us through some songs together.